It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time. This is Maritime Radio Greenwich. talk about tonight. Uh, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. This is your Sunday evening. Uh, joining me in the studio here at the Valley, Terry Smith. How you doing, Terry? Evening. Oh, yes, I'm doing very well, thank you. Buzzing. I'm just buzzing. Just buzzing. buzzing. Absolutely yeah. buzzing. Oh, and you must have seen the news yesterday, mustn't you? Uh, go on, tell pa- me. Page 24 of the programme. Gnome's down, down a fiver. Only 15 quid now. Oh, wow. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's all, it's I believe there's other things to talk about, but that's, yeah. that's what did me. Potentially not the only thing for sale <laughs> in SE7. Uh, the, other, the other person joining us in the studio is, uh, is Nathan Muller. Uh, Nathan, how are, how are you doing this, this evening? Yeah, not bad, mate. Giving the drink. Yeah, we're also just joined by a member of the Nepalese community <laughs> very briefly there. Got the keys. And the keys over his corner now, right. Uh, on tonight's show... I think you did that very well, though, Bob. Yeah, yeah, impressive there. Seamless. Uh, on tonight's show, there's only one uh, one place to start, really. Uh, yesterday's one-all draw of Warsaw. <laughs> no, I mean, the huge news, potentially, 
it feels like it feels like it feels like a real step in, in in potentially hopefully the right direction for us. The the takeover rumours that have been abounding around SC Seven since yesterday evening. So I'm in that position now. I think where. I don't want to talk about it, just in case I put the mockers on it. <laughs> it's that <laughs> it's that sort of thing, you know. You desperately want it to happen, but you don't want to get too into it. Do you remember the Zabil thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. that sort. You know, you, you, and I wasn't so desperate for that to happen actually, but it, it was great, you know, potential news, uh, and so everybody was talking about it, and then it fell flat on its backside. So <laughs> I'm just wary that it might happen again. So um, I'm cautiously um, buzzing. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nafa, I assume you, you started seeing everything sort of coming out last night up, up on Twitter, all these potential things. So we, we don't want to get carried away because we don't really know how close or how far we are from, from anything at this moment in time. But, you know, it, it, just, it, does, it just feels like there's potentially a light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I heard yesterday, but I'm sort of with uh, Tell on this one as well. So when the Zabil thing happened, I remember reading the site and it sort of fell through. through was it due diligence or something? But it all fell through and it was a bit bit, deflate, bit deflated or whatever. But um, yeah, no, it's all, it's all hearsay and you've got someone saying this and someone saying that. So until it's all confirmed I'm still trying to I think we can confirm this evening and and obviously we don't want to we don't want to speak out of turn but there are no energy drink vans in the car park there are no (laughs) helicopters and uh, there is there's no Chinese meal being delivered so apart from my helicopter obviously (laughs) yeah obviously the uh, (laughs) Um, right so Menzies choppers always in attendance yeah (laughs) (laughs) obviously we that um the one of the, the always the best person to speak to really in, in South London when it comes to any, anything like this is Richard Corley from the South London Press. So I spoke to him uh, th- th- this this afternoon to find out what the latest is, what he knows. Uh, so we're going to hear that in a few moments. Um, the other things we're going to talk about on tonight's show are, of course, yesterday's uh, yesterday's one all draw. Uh, we're going to hear from exclusively from Carl Robinson. We're going to talk about the play of the year dinner being cancelled. I've got some reaction from the club on that, but not a great deal, but a tiny, <coughs> tiny bit of reaction from that. And if we get time, we're going to talk about yesterday's red, white and black day because there was a, a huge march down towards the valley. Uh, and I've got some uh, former Charlton legends who, uh, who spoke to us about what that event was about as well. But I think first things first, uh, we all know why you're listening. We all want to hear what Richard Corley has to say uh, on the potential uh, the potential takeover rumours. This is what the South London Press's sports editor, Richard Corley, makes of the current situation. Joined now here on Charlton Live by the South London Press sports editor, Richard Corley. Richard, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, Louis. You? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Now, when I, when I got to the Valley yesterday, rumours were abounding and it all came out last night on uh, on Twitter. Um, rumours of a, of a potential takeover. What, what can you tell us, Richard? Well, I think uh, exactly what you say, really, that uh, Charlton is never exactly the most uh, top secret of places. So there's been a little bit of noise and obviously began to hear stuff yesterday um, about the fact that maybe Roland de Chatelet's um, stance towards selling the club might have softened a little bit and that uh, he might be beginning to think that he would listen to offers. Um, and, I mean, before now... Um, I think the club has kind of had a price on his, you know, like a ballpark figure that he wants. I think that's all the money that he's kind of uh, put into the club or, you know, has actually ended up paying out, even if that's owed back to him. Um, And I think really that figure um, made it pretty unviable. So almost effectively the club wasn't for sale because no one's going to pay that money for a League One club. Um, So I think the question now is whether he has dropped the valuation uh, enough or always listen to offers to actually sell. I don't think he's actually set a, I don't think he's actually set a figure 
I think it's more, you know, make me an offer and see what we can, you know, see whether it tickles my fancy. But I just don't know um, exactly what figure that is and whether club, whether anybody that's interested will pay it. I think anybody that's looking to buy the club um, will probably be of the mindset that um, it would be uh, payments based on the club regaining championship football and then if they did get into the Premier League you know there would be probably more money going I, I think I think it's more of a structured deal that would happen if one does um, I'm not necessarily sure that people should be getting hugely carried away because I think uh, until we're a bit further down the line I think um, you know it's got to be approached with caution but uh, it certainly feels like there might be a little bit of a shift in terms of the sort of the way it's looking at the moment yeah, because some of the things we were hearing yesterday made it sound like this this deal or potential deal or, or talking has certainly progressed further than, than things have done in the past. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's correct. Uh, I think there's certain things going on that have kind of made people feel there's more happening. I mean, I think it's kind of broken today. And yeah, again, there's something I was mentioned to me that Ronnie Rosenthal uh, was recently um, shown around the valley. Um, he... Uh, He's somebody that's been a, a bit of a broker for uh, club purchases in the past, and he's had kind of businessmen that are, um, that are, you know, willing to buy a football club. So the fact that he has been at the Valley suggests that there is actually uh, a bit more going on than just an initial conversation. I think the other thing to point out is I think there are more than I think there's probably you know if, if the price is right for Charlton they won't be short of people that would be interested in buying the club I mean I think we've probably touched on it before but you know you've got a London club uh, a stadium that um, you know doesn't need a huge amount done to it uh, there's there's real potential to grow it there are quite a lot of things on the to-do list whoever the new owner is in terms of uh, things that need to be put right I think in terms of maybe even the playing side and other bits and pieces but if the price is right, Charlton will not be short of people that would want to buy a London football club. So I think that's the thing that's key. But I, I go back to it. I think that whatever figure Roland de Chatelet wants, and only he knows that, is probably going to be key to whether people really think, OK, this sounds like a doable deal, or they decide it's just not financially viable. Are you hearing any noises out there about who any potential buyers might be? Well, only the Rosenthal thing was, 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 was mentioned to me. Until they see a change of ownership, and uh, 
I wonder, I think that's probably part of it. If, if, if Ronnie the Chatelet is beginning to think about maybe there is a deal to be done, because I wonder how much he can really be getting out of it now, because we all know that um, Charlton are losing millions of pounds a year, as, as do most championship and league one sides. Um, so I've, I think probably there's got to be that side of it as well. How long do you keep something that's not working for him and you know, it's not working for the fans? Mm. Um, uh, what do you read into uh, that the club have released a statement sort of this afternoon to, to BBC Radio London that says that the, the, at, at, at the present time the club's not for sale? I mean, do you read too much into that? Not mostly because I don't think the club really gained too much from saying anything other than that. Um, you know, if he did say the club was for sale, um, I think it probably sends out a message to the fans that it might make them think something's close. I think, I think there's all different reasons why you wouldn't probably respond in that way. And, you know, anybody who's covered a football club for, for any length of time, it's not just Charlton, any club, you know, a public statement is different um, to what can be going on behind the scenes. So I don't really hold too much store by that. I think it doesn't really change the fact that before now, maybe it's needed to be a really, really big offer for Roland de Chatelet to think about it. Um, and now maybe, maybe, but as I say, I, I just think there needs to be a bit of caution with it. Uh, uh, you know, maybe if the figure's lower, I think there probably is a deal to be done. Um, I mean, when, 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 when you say uh, the, club's, the club isn't, you know, they're not actively putting it for sale, that doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't say, oh, well, if, you know, if you want to make me an offer, I'll listen to it. So I think there's, you know, there's that side of it as well, semantics to it as well, really, to be fair. And do you think it's way too early for Charlton fans now to be thinking about sort of timelines for how long anything like this could take? Well, it, it is at the moment. I mean, as I stood, I mean, I've kind of been working on it a bit today um, to see what I can find out. Um, and obviously a little bit last night. And then I've, I've been, I've been at uh, the, the Millwall game this afternoon. And what, was so. the, what was the score on that one, Rich? Um, well, it was... Um, well, I think you'd probably know. If you check it out, you probably can find it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. Um, so you know, that's kind of uh, sort of slowed things down a little bit. But you know, I'm hoping we'll have an update in the paper. Um, some of the stuff is kind of out there, as I say, because it naturally does. Um, but um, I, I think uh, timeline-wise, very, very hard to say at the moment. To be fair. Okay. Well, uh, Richard, thanks for for joining us here on Channel Live to give us your insight and. Uh, Let's hope there's, there's plenty more news to come on this one. Yeah, no worries, mate. OK. Yeah, we're staying in touch. So there we heard Richard Corley from the South London Press giving us uh, the latest insight. So, you know, you, more, more to take from that, really, Tom? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, he's being naturally cautious, as we all are, I think, but more so for him because he's in a position where... Um, He's uh, he's only going to deal in facts, Richard, isn't he? Uh, as as a as a journalist, actually, I don't know what I'm saying. Of course, they don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I think, like, like most of us, it's, we've got we're at the stage now where there are so many rumours flying around. Um, you'd hope there is some substance to it, uh, and that's that's the position we're all in. Just just hope there's some substance to it. Uh, and um, as for timeline, that's the thing that um, concerns me because <coughs> it seems a strange timing mm. uh, to uh, for this to all set off. You know, you'd normally expect it to happen at the end of the end of the season, rather well, than considering how long these things can take to get through. Surely, if if it was to go out, it happened now, then surely it would. You would think it would sort of finish around the end of the season? I mean, how long, it's probably I, probably about six or seven weeks. Do we know? Season, do we remember months? how the last uh, how long it took when um, when uh, the Chateau took us over? Well, no, that that one was surprisingly quick in terms of um, well, from when we found out it was happening to when it did happen. I think that one seemed to go through surprisingly quick, but I think. 
you know, I think that was a one-off, perhaps, by the sounds of it. Maybe I, 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 do I, think I don't know. Really, so, yeah. Take I mean, it's interesting the fact as well that the, the, na- the names come out today is Richard Corley and from Rick Ever on, on Twitter about Ronnie Rosenthal. Mm. The, uh, you know, he's missed some open goals in his time before. We mm. <laughs> hope he doesn't do it today. Yeah, I, saw, I saw a great tweet on it. It's, let's hope when he gets handed the contract, he doesn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, that, it, it'd be interesting to see because you know, someone like him, it sounds like as, as a broker, perhaps, rather than the money man. Oh, almost certainly, yeah, I thought. Yeah. Right, anything like that. But, you know, he, Richard mentioned he's been involved with clubs before, including, I think, Aston Villa. Well, wasn't there a rumour he was in the in, in brokering deals for Villa and QPR, I think was the other one, uh, when, when QPR got taken over and, back and in the day? And they're both Asian money, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. So that seemed quite interesting. So I wonder if, if, that, if that does give away anything or, or, or where it's coming or where it goes, who knows, but... Interesting, Nathan. Um, with with the you know, we we all saw how we felt when these rumours started coming coming around yesterday. And you know, when you're hearing Richard's stuff there, I mean, do, does does it calm you at all? Does it? I mean, we, this is not this isn't something that's going to happen overnight, is it? No, it's not. And uh, what he said, obviously, you was expected what you're going to say. Like you both said, he's not going to come out and say, you know, it's always it will happen within two weeks or whatever. Um, it's not it's not going to be that. But um, yeah, I think we just need to. Just take it a day at a time, and then let's hope it happens. But obviously, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin my master to sale whether it is what they're saying. It's a is, weird thing, isn't it? You're, yeah. ju- you're just you're inside. You're, you're you're bursting, but outside, you just want to play it down a bit. Just yeah. let's just be cool and calm. But inside, none of us are. are we? We're just no. all going mental. What do you think would happen if, if and when it <laughs> if, and when, if and when it did happen? I've, I've got the feeling there might be a few cans cracked and a few bottles uh, popped. Tequilas yeah. all round. <laughs> you, you buying? Yeah, I'll, mate, I'll, I'll get a couple of bowls of that. <laughs> yeah, we want to know what you guys uh, have made of these of these transfer rumours, of these uh, takeover rumours. Sorry, you can email us studio at chartonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at chartonlive, or you can, uh, there's a thread on the Chartonlive forum and, and have a comment. Uh, I know so, uh, Marion says she's listening uh, for the first time in ages, being able to listen uh, live on a Sunday, and Sparky said he's listening in as well. Um, Terry, have, have we got any emails on that? Uh, we've got uh, six, well, five. You can't really include the offer for uh, solar heating, can you? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, we got five. Do you want yeah, to? Uh, offer, is solar heating offering to uh, take over? Well, the well, well, oh, now there's a thing. Let me check. Uh, well, this, this is, technically this probably did come from China, so who knows? Uh, but yeah, I've got five emails. Um, read them whenever you like. Yeah. We? Okay, yeah, straight into them. If they're takeover ones. Uh, oh, okay. Um, no, that's a game one. Uh, I've got to read them before, uh, before I know. That's the point. Um, but I think this one, the valuation, Richard Church has sent one in about um, the valuation of 50 mil. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks, Richard. Roland says that this is a business. We are all customers, etc., etc. but he ignores basic business principles when it suits him. As Charlie Exile said in an earlier tweet, reduce customer base, reduce turnover, and reduce profit equals a reduced business valuation. A business is not valued on investment or outstanding loans at 3%. It's based on how much profit it makes. To hold out for 50 mil is like a poker player holding on to a rotten hand, hoping it will change. Roland, if you're listening, it's time to fold. That's from Richard. Well, it's interesting because obviously we're talking about that the valuation of the club has been the, the major stumbling block, it feels like, for people if they if they have or have not uh, have asked the question before over the last however long um and but but i think the impression is now that the Ronald would be more willing to you know look look at a more reasonable price if that was the case i'd, I'd guess um i mean i don't know I, I, chances of me ever being um closely linked to anything purchasing purchasing anything for 50 million is going to be extreme um but um, well how much did he buy for was it 24 off the top of my head, I'm trying 14. to remember. 14, beg your pardon, yeah. So 14, but he supposedly invested stroke 
lent us 30. Is that, is that about right? Something Does that sound about right? So, that's on top of it. Pro- probably more than that, I think. Yeah, right okay. But um, there are two things. In, in, if I was buying, I'm guessing, there's two things I'd look at. It. Right, your 14 mil, that's definitely got to come back. The money you invested, uh, you're earning interest on, theoretically, um, which uh, um, you've been paid out on. So I'd take that interest and knock it off the 30 million that was um, that was initially loaned because he's received that money or the you know the the, the business that uh, loaned the money has received that back. So I mean if I was buying that's what that's the sort of angle I'd be looking at which would probably take it down to the sort of 40 million mark I suppose 42 maybe but so to ask according to Richard though he's um uh, it, it appears or the rumor is that he's listening to offers. So could it be that he, he's going to cut, cut his losses a bit because he knows that another season in League One is another serious amount of money that's going to go down the drain. It's another, if he wants to um, invest or if he's got a manager that wants to invest in the team, he's got to again lay out some money to do that. So he's got to take all that into consideration, I thought, and so has anybody who's got to buy it because not only do they have to pay him off, I mean, I'm assuming anybody who's going to take this over has, wants, has got some sort of ambition, let's hope, mm. uh, and there's going to be some serious money needed to be spent. Mm. I think that's the key. I mean, with uh, what you said about um, the investment in the squad and stuff, it might be that the penny's actually started to drop now. You know, he's looking at the crowds, and that's and, that, and that's not going to improve, even if we do start doing well. We, for what it was on Tuesday, which was quite quite low, I can't all of a sudden see thousands and pa- uh, thousands of people coming back. Well, I'd like to think the um, first game first game after them, they might Oh, after, <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. And he may, maybe he's just had a realisation that he's got, well, I've got to, I've got to cash out now. I need to get out because he, he can't see it getting any better. Well, we mentioned it on the, on the interview there with Richard, but the, the statement today says the club is not set. But they will say that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no way if he came out and said, "Oh yeah, the club's for sale." Oh, yeah, so the person who's going to buy it, so oh, you're desperate to get rid, or I'll give you thirty p for it. Yeah. When you think about it, though, that's been. The, I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's probably uh, a statement from the owner to everybody in senior management at this club. When you are asked, this club is not for sale. And that's probably been the same for the last two years. So that statement exists. So um, anybody who's, uh, I mean, whoever Richard contacted at the club. I'm sure hasn't got a clue what's going on, but all they do know is that they've been told, going back however many months or years, this club, you tell them this club is not for sale, because that's what we've always been told. So I don't see that being any different. Um, anybody contacts the club, and until the the people who own the club or, or the people in top, top charge actually tell the senior management team this is the situation, they're going to repeat the same uh, same uh, mm. story they've got, they've been already told, I would have thought. Mark Hadley tweeted in saying that didn't fuel to the fire about Asian money involved in the Aston Villa and QPR deals. Uh, Darren Twelve says uh, it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be a kick in the knackers if Roland was playing an early April Fool's joke? Can I just say that there, there was somebody did that earlier, and there was a great tweet afterwards and said, "In the last three years, we've been kicked in the knackers so often. It, another one won't really matter." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, James Fern's asking for the odds on Big Dave Lockwood coming back if, if things are uh, developing our favour I don't think well, CEO depends on the pies depends <laughs> on the pies doesn't it really? <laughs> uh, uh, Damien says I'll do a Mooney at the top of Everest if uh, Roland de Chatelet sells the club before May I, I suspect it'll be a quick one save, save, <laughs> save that email we'll release, yeah. we'll release that, that right, if anyone else has any, any points they want to make on the on the takeover rumours still. I'm sure that there's still plenty of uh, stuff I think I think there's uh, one more email as well is that from Samuel Sprong too? Uh, yeah just picking it up now um, the appetite this is from Samuel Sprong thank you Samuel uh, the appetite for selling is clearly becoming more prominent boycotts protests and consistent media attention has weakened the structure of this ownership I do feel Roland whatever the outcome will want us to suffer we've taken this fight into his 
his personal life and he won't forget that. His debts continue to affect Standard Liège, so I'm concerned by the sting he'll leave on his way out. If this go, does go through, Card should, have, should spend the rest of the protest fund on a party bus to Derby to bring back Chris Powell, uh, with or without his permission. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you do it without his permission, then you, that could lead, land you in all sorts of trouble. Probably, yes. Try to avoid. I mean, th- th- this is something that, again, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves here, but if, if, if the sale were to go through, I mean... How much? How much? Of, how much of the of that can you lay at the feet of what of what's happened with the with the protests and, and stuff like that? Do, do, do you think that the protests are are starting to have an effect, and that's why Ronan's had enough, or has he just looked at the fact that he's losing money hand over fist here, and that's why he wants to leave? My personal opinion is yes, um, and the reason I say that is because I've said for for a while now that um, <clears throat> the his political ambitions, uh, because he's he is a successful businessman, we can't argue that, but his political ambitions that he had. Uh, a while ago where he th- uh, he tried to s- set up this utopian um, political party for the good of the people which which had great intentions and great uh, great beliefs but the reality was he was never going to succeed uh, and it took him about I think somewhere between six and seven years somewhere like that to realize that he wasn't going anywhere with this and, and ended up <coughs> in partnership then with another party so it took him that long to realize actually this isn't working let's uh, I, I'm gonna not forget about it but go in a different tack well Three years in, and if if there was no pressure brought to bear, I think we'd still be in it for another three or four years, because mm. that's mm. The, the sort of it seems to be the longevity of of of, uh, uh, of his hobbies. So I think uh, the pressure that's been brought to bear has, has almost certainly hastened what hopefully would have happened anyway. Mm. That's but, just my opinion, of course. No, but I think it, with the protest, it obviously brings the exposure out, doesn't it? And I think if you have other, other potential buyers that looking from the outside. And they're seeing a club that are in a disarray, and they might think, "Well, maybe we can get it a bit of a cut price, maybe, or maybe we can do and change things, or something like that." So, I think definitely that is the protests have played a part. Um, and obviously, like you said, Tell, it's obviously he might be starting to get a bit embarrassed about it all now because when they're all going over to Belgium and stuff, it can't really look good for him, um, even though he is a successful businessman. It must be quite embarrassing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daz uh, tweets in saying I have my credit card in hand ready to buy my season ticket the second that Roland sells and we, we've been talking about whether whether we think that any uh, potential sale will mean that thousands of fans will come will come crawling not crawling about will, will come will come back to the club that you know that you know they want to be here a lot of people are talking about how they, they want to be here but they just feel like they can't at the moment um, do you think the support levels though will ever get back to what they were before or do you think this the, the fact that people would have got out of the habit of coming down here would, would, would sort of be too much of a hit absolutely 100 percent, yes because um i'm old you you might forget that but i no. <laughs> when we left <laughs> <laughs> when we left uh the valley the, uh, the the in 1985 we we were pulling crowds of about four and a half to, to six thousand depending on uh who we were playing at the time the odd the odd one peaked when we were playing palace or or another local derby but generally you know i remember a, a, a grimsby game down here before we um before we had to leave um and it was four thousand two hundred or four thousand three hundred so you know we were getting crowds that low before and then we of course when we went to Salis, we were getting them again uh and then we got to the first division and, and by nature by the visiting support of that that crowd um average went up but you know, so and then we were seven years away, and so when people, when we got back, people were saying, "Would we be able to command a crowd again?" Bearing in mind, you know, we only had four, four, you know, probably an average, I would guess, somewhere in the five and a half thousand mark. The the couple of years before we actually left um, for Sellers Park, so we've been that low before, 
and then what happened after we got back to Vegas? You had the initial enthusiasm, of course, but if we'd have not, um, I think if we'd have not, not just success on the pitch, but if we'd not done the target 10,000 and then encouraged people to come back to Charlton and reasons to come back to Charlton, the family club, the whole care um, uh, issue yesterday is a, is, a, is a testament to that. So involving the community a lot more. Uh, and that's what's uh, been lost up to a point. But it, the, the, fractor, the, the, the structure of it is still there. So I don't think... Of course it will take time, and it's not a five-minute deal, uh, uh, but we're capable of doing it because we've shown we can do it already. Uh, Bob Liskins, uh, that's what you're doing earlier, saying a new owner, whoever it is, couldn't be any worse, could it? And then Kevin Crowd said, I don't think it could. They would have seen what the fans have done and wouldn't want to go through that. Hopefully they will use the fans' energy to move uh, forward. John Charles White says, could it be that RD is fueling speculation of sale in the hope of reducing the protest? You must know all the tricks by now <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I, I doubt it um, I mean the only the only <laughs> the only real negative is then um, uh, he sells it to uh, he does a club what's it a club swap with the Oysters or something <laughs> that'd be the only that'd be the only real downside yeah that'd be the Latin Orient guy as well yeah exactly probably looking to add to his network got an email in from Rick just correcting me and thanks for that Rick appreciate it because I mean I'm not a financial guru as you probably expect understood already but Rick mentions about the debt issue the interest is adding to the debt it hasn't been paid out to anybody so actually he hasn't State Pricks is it I think who the the actual company involved haven't received any money it's it's just adding to the overall debt and then the extra debt itself at attracts further interest because of course that big lump of money gets um, is increased and therefore the interest increases accordingly the club is also accruing interest on the 2011 purchase price because that's also in the books as mm. debt as well so I didn't uh, know that. uh, that's probably why the figure is uh, as significant as it is mm. uh, uh, Damien said that uh, he'd return uh, he'd come crawling walking whatever and they said that's him and four family members uh, I've asked on Twitter if people think that the, the protests are having an effect on what seems to be a change in a potential change in view from, from Roland and uh, John says uh, yes they have but what the regime has done is cause a more fractured fan base which I doubt will ever be repaired got one more email from Graham Tell uh, not hold on I'll tell you in it yes uh, it would help if uh I'll go no, no, I've got it. Here yeah. we go. Uh, Graham Banks, thanks, Graham. Evening, Nathan and Terry. Uh, evening, Graham. Thanks for this. Uh, if in the event that we are taken over, how many thousands of people do you think could would return to the valley? Has the current regime alienated the fans enough to a point where people won't return, regardless of who owns the club, or will we see a return to the fifteen thousand crowds we saw before Roland's takeoff, a takeover? As I just said, I think absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think um, it'll always dwindle because of, you know, I know what people say and uh, um, and, and I would say probably 90 to 95% genuinely that they're not coming because of the situation. But there is a, a percentage that don't come because they're not seeing, a tra- you know, successful football. That's just a fact of life. But I think the majority would definitely come back. Right, Garmy Head Chef, is, is there any truth to the rumour that Tom Wallen isn't in the studio tonight because he's having a romantic meal with Frederick Overstad? <laughs> I think, no, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, yeah, but the the romantic meal is just him and a big cardboard cut out of that poster of them to you know the, the picture of them two together. <laughs> right, you met him yesterday after the game, and he hasn't stopped talking about it since. Right, let's have a, a quick break. We're still plenty to talk about here on Charlton Live. Of course, we want to cover yesterday's uh, one-all draw with Walsall. We're going to hear exclusively from Carl Robinson. We're going to cover uh, the fact that the Player of the Year dinner has been cancelled. Uh, well, we've got a very small comment on the club from that, as well as from the organisers, which they put on Charlton Live last night. Uh, Charlton Life uh, last night, uh, and yesterday was Red, White, and Black Day, the 25th anniversary here at the Valley. We got some interviews from the march down to the Valley back in 30 seconds. Bonkers. It's been a delivery towards 
Six off a power of the free header. It'll be tapped home again by Texera. It's 3 0. Again, it's a corner comes in from Jake Forsakowski at the back post. Bauer heads down. And Texera gets the second of the game. Absolutely bonkers here. Bonkers. Charlton Live. From the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. I don't do mine. I let my missus does it. He obviously gets bullied and lets his miss. He does it. <laughs> Charlton Live. If anyone wants to know what noise I'll be making, uh, <laughs> if and when that happens, it'll be something along the lines of. Live. Oh, no. Ah, <laughs> blew it. <laughs> <laughs> blew it. That's classic. Let's try that one more time. Does it? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Live. <laughs> hey, right. Uh, yesterday, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be plenty more emails and tweets to come in on the the potential takeover issue that's being discussed on tonight's show. But there's also a game of football here at the Bally yesterday. One will draw. Uh, with Walsall, uh, Simeon Jackson put the, the visitors ahead just before half-time. Tony, what was your second goal in two games here at the Valley? Uh, sort of just beyond the hour mark, Tell, do, do you think that was a fair result? Yeah, probably. Um, I think we struggled. I mean, the first ten minutes was, was carnage. I mean, it was end-to-end stuff, and you're thinking, this, this could have any score behind it. Um, but they settled quicker than we did and uh, and I'm still convinced it's this, because of the shape we play just doesn't suit the players we got mm-hmm. um, what is it a 4-3-2-1 or something whatever it is I, I lose track just say any number yeah exactly yeah. Um, so and I, I just we just didn't settle I mean when you compare it to the performance on Tuesday where the, you know a, a, almost a straight 4-4-2 I think it was just perform better uh, and I don't think it's a surprise that when um, when we did change alright admittedly uh, first one again um Enforced Esri Conza, which doesn't look good. Again, uh, went um, went off, but uh, what a revelation! Um, Mr. Overstead was a centre half, by the way. Uh, yeah. It was outstanding yeah. at centre half. You know, in the context of where we are, absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah, no one was expecting that, was they? Right, let's um, let's have a listen to the highlights so we can hear. Uh, Mr. Tom Frederick Halverstab Wallin uh, <laughs> <laughs> describe uh, take us through the the two goals with Terry as well. Going to be Osh to it. He's uh, been quite lively in these opening few minutes. He tees up Edwards on the chart and right ball into the box. Simeon Jackson, how did he miss Had that over the bar? In the six-yard box, he made the run in between Konza and Page. Clear shot on goal and he skied it over the bar. Goes forward back to Byrne, who's now got a little bit of space. But again, options are limited and no one really making a run. But now Tony Watt has oh, and Byrne <laughs> clips it either side, I think, of Laird and uh, O'Connell. Tony Watt had made a run, but it was just over here and easy for Etheridge. But his bowl out has been thrown to Ricky Holmes, who has a shot, ah. and it's blocked. Uh, Etheridge tried to roll it out to O'Connor, who miscontrolled it. Holmes was straight on it to the edge of the penalty area. Had a what. shot, but O'Connor and O'Connell between yeah. them managed to block that shot. Uh, O'Connor and O'Connell got their <laughs> Etheridge out of serious trouble there. So, game's back underway from that throw-in, and it's oh, a good hook ball forward from Morris. And now Simeon Jackson's onside. He's going to be one-on-one with Declan Rudd. Nathan Burns coming back, but Simeon Jackson steers it past Declan Rudd and into his goal, and it's 1-0 to Warsaw. It was a sort of speculative ball forward, really, from Morris, but Simeon Jackson broke the offside trap. Nathan Byrne tried to catch him up, but uh, Simeon Jackson one-on-one with Declan Rudd and steers it with the outside of his right boot past Rudd and into his right-hand post, and Charlton are 1-0 down. Well, we ran the risk of that a few times already in this half. James O'Connor clips it forward, and Ostrom is in bags of space down his right-hand side. He's got only Simeon Jackson in the box. And oh, the referee oh, oh, oh. has blown the half-time what. whistle oh, when Ostomo oh, oh. was cleaned through for a Warsaw attack. Oh, I tell you what, if then if uh, that's that's not good. I mean, he played literally five seconds of over the minute. 
but you, you don't cut it out in the middle of an attack. Warsaw players surrounding the referee. Neil Etheridge, despite being the closest Warsaw player to the Charlton Tunnel, has run all the way down the pitch to cons confront the referee. Uh, Johnny Jackson, who tries to hit the referee, bypasses him and finds Adam Chicks, who I think was his intended target, who again goes down to the byline. And, but another great cross, oh. and at the back post is Ricky Holmes. The ball's bobbling around. Joe Rebo can't get his foot on it. Eventually manages to turn, and it falls to Tony Watt. Yeah! Strikes it into the far post. Lovely Second finish. Second goal in two games. Come on. The ball bobbled in front of him, and he's hit it first time. Nathan Burns still down from the initial cross in the penalty area, but now getting to his feet. But Tony Watt, the flying Scotsman, has got his second goal in two games, and the 4-4-2 has made a difference here, and Charter back on level terms. Take about Adam Chickson, it was uh, his first cross that caused all the panic in the Walsall back line the first time he s absolutely skinned Jason McCarthy on that right-hand side, the Charlton left, got his cross in, caused some problems because it was a nice cross, not too close to the keeper, but with Novak and Watt and Holmes looking dangerous, and Burner was in there as well but the ball managed to squirt away. Charlton kept it alive, a lovely cross-field pass from Johnny Jackson, nearly decapitated the ref in the process. <laughs> out, back out to Chickson, who already knows that he's got the beating of McCarthy. Did him again, ball into the box. Again, it caused panic in the, in the area. Aribo just couldn't get the ball out from under his feet. Saw Tony Watt vacant on the edge of the six-yard box. Went out to the Scotsman, and as you say, what a finish. Right-footed, right, right -footed, back across. Etheridge, who had no chance to keep that out of the goal. Walsall with everybody back into the penalty area. Overstead's there. It's a Connell with the kick. What with a shot? Oh, it's tipped away. I don't know if that's the keeper. It was a header from uh, Connell. Think it's it, away for another corner. I think it was Etheridge who got his hand to it and he's getting a high five from a couple of his defenders as we just see the replay now. It was an in-swinging ball from Ricky Holmes. A header yeah, a keeper. did bounce all the way through to Tony Watt who hooked it left-footed but Etheridge saved. Corner comes in. Tipped away again by Etheridge but it'll drop to Aribo. Trying to shake for a shot. Looking for the top corner, tipped oh. over the bar by Etheridge as it looped off of the foot of Bakayoko. This side to Edwards, little reverse ball into uh, Dobson, gets it back to Edwards, goes on the far side to McCarthy. McCarthy in the penalty area, drills the ball across, oh. that could have gone absolutely anywhere. If that had taken a touch off anybody, it could have been a goal. It missed Teixeira, fortunately it missed Dobson as well, and goes out for a goal kick. That'll and be that, that. It end the game, and it does, the referee blows the whistle. There we heard the highlights of yesterday's one-all draw with Walsall here at the Valley. Um, yeah, I mean, considering how well we did do with that 4-4-2 on, on, uh, on Tuesday night, I mean, it's a shame we had to come away from it. I think Carl's implying in the interviews after in the press conference, and I'm sure in this interview as well, that we, we started with the bodies that were fit enough to start. So I think he felt that um, Novak wasn't fit enough to start in terms of a 4-4-2, but... It's a shame, really, because that when we went back to that, although apparently we didn't, um, uh, that that seemed to be when we were at our most dangerous. Well, Carlin was on the bench and he would have been fit. So um, you know, I'd, uh, I I don't think it's just about bodies. I think it's possibly down to who he fancies can do the job as well as uh, as anything else. And and he likes to play that formation. Clearly, he does because uh, he's mentioned it on a few occasions that um, he hasn't got the players that he wants to play in the, uh, the style of play that he wants. And mm. that's what, uh, theoretically, he's going to be out of doing the summer. Um, but, you know, when, when we know it works, when we've seen it work, uh, and before your eyes, I, I still just don't get why you just don't stick with what's, you know, what, you can, you know, what works. Yeah, we were given a bit of a let-off in, uh, in the first five minutes, weren't we, when that, I think that ball from Edwards, I think it was, went across the face of goal, and then Simeon Jackson, <laughs> who we, seen, we used to seem to be linked with in every, every transfer window. He's didn't been we? everywhere, though, hasn't he? That yeah, thing, but um, uh, he missed an absolute sitter from uh, Carl Andrews, got a really good photo on, he, on, his, on his Twitter page, actually. He, like, it was an open goal from five yards out, and that could have uh, 
could, could have seen us wander down very early. Yeah, it's, hard, it's harder to miss it, I think. Isn't it? <laughs> it, it just adds fuel to the fire for me because that was that was such a Ronnie Rosenthal miss. Yeah, part of it. He's in on it. Simeon Jackson's in on it. <laughs> but I could see that coming up. We were sit, we were standing. Um, obviously, I'm in North Lower, and we we sit there all the time. You looked at their two forwards. We were trying to press them on to make them go long because they were never going to win the aerial battles. And then each time we thought we, we we were playing such a high line at some stage, I thought we're going to get caught here. And then he got through. Then and then obviously when when he scored, obviously I was thinking, God, I don't know where. And then we had, then we had to put Olverstad there because as soon as obviously he went off injured, Conzo, Conzo, I was yeah. thinking, who are we going to put? I thought he was going to put Jacko there. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get crucified there at the back <laughs> if he's playing centre half. Yeah, but did did really well. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, going back to that first half in terms of us, I, mean, I thought it was quite an open game, but we weren't creating mm. chances. I thought Ricky was. Again, looking our probably our most lively player, particularly in the first half, and a few times he got he got down that left hand side, uh, but crossing was was coming to nothing. In the well, there's nobody there, was it? Yeah. To be fair, I mean, uh, Tony Watt is is the style of player that just drifts everywhere, mm. and he's not a, a standard striker or centre forward where you lift you, you can put the ball into the uh, penalty area expecting him to be there. That's not what Tony Watt does, is it? And, and it happened on a few occasions. I mean, Lewis Page, I thought had a good good first half yesterday, but um, and same with Chickson to a lesser extent. But every time the balls were delivered into the box, there was pretty much nobody there, or it was Tony Watt up against two or three defenders, mm. uh, and you're never going to succeed in that. So I mean, I'd, I'd assume the game plan is to to build from the the midfield, use the two wide men, and actually not cross it into the box necessarily, but um, or at least if you're going to cross it in, it's to the midfield coming from deep. But we don't um, we don't seem to be able to command that midfield enough to be able to do that. Mm, uh, when when the goal came for Walsall, it's not uh, not the first time we've seen us get caught out ball over the top over yeah. the top this season. I thought it was, uh, it was nice. It's a bit finish. fluky though the yeah. way it happened. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure uh, it was just a bit of a hopeful punt. I don't think it was yeah. it was deliberate necessarily. Jackson was quicker too, oh, yeah. uh, and it was I thought it was a nice finish actually. Well, uh, no question from, from Simeon, mm. Simeon Jackson on the outside of his right boot. Now, just just as the the half time whistle was about was was blowing, <laughs> so this was. This is one of those ones that feels controversial, but I think if, by the letter of the law, I yeah, think the referee's done what he's supposed to do there, but yep. you rarely see it, do you, where he's blowing the whistle just after, I think it was what had broken in down the right-hand side of the penalty area and was about to square it for someone to probably have, have a shot on goal. I'd say if you were to take ten um, situations like that, nine of them, the referee would let it play out. Mm. Uh, and then blow the whistle when either the keeper knocks it long or you take a, take the, the the restart. And that's why it's controversial. It's controversial this time, where he's done probably what is the right yeah, thing. Whereas, certainly, whereas yeah. the, the nine times out of ten, it wouldn't be he wouldn't be controversial, despite he'd, he'd be doing the wrong thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some um, uh, referees out there will tell us. But uh, Kyle, does, Kyle. does the letter of the law say that you have to finish that you have to allow the game to play out until the ball goes dead? Probably not. Well, so. I, I thought it was the only time they go over overtime is if it was a penalty. Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's what someone that's what someone tweeted me yesterday as well and I had a, a, a referee fan tweeting me as well saying like you know you have to play the, the time I lost Look, if, yeah. if all referees do it and, and we've had some classic cases one in the World Cup yeah, uh, the back corner, in the day yeah. where uh, it blew just as the bloke was about to edit well, there, was, there was one in the, <laughs> the FA Cup this season Whitehawk against someone um and it might have even been Lincoln actually, but I'm not certain. But it was Whitehawk against someone. Where it was 95th minute, that rings a bell, one yeah. all corner gets cleared to the edge of the box, where the guy on the edge of the box strikes a lovely volley into the top corner, and the referee's blowing the whistle in between it, leaving his foot and going into the, <laughs> going into the roof of the net. If, and, if and they all do it, and if they all stick to it, then nobody's got a problem with it. I don't think it's just that most referees now will let the game play out mm. until the ball goes dead or until the ball's in a, a more safer position. So um, it's probably that the players have just got players and 
and fans and management have just got used to it happening. Do, a, do, a, do a thing like they do in rugby, literally when it goes out of play, maybe. Just hooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it in ice hockey that have the hooters, don't they? Just do they? When, yeah, and that can stop, stop it whenever. Uh, right, so, take your work, Rick. Yeah, so... Um, uh, like we say, the start of the second half, Esri's gone off injured now. I mean, Carl didn't give us too much on it in the press conference. He just said he thinks it's similar to McGuinness, where he's, he's sort of rolled his ankle and something. We're going to find out about that. But, um, yeah, of, of all the bodies we're looking at the pitch, I think none of us expected uh, Freddie Olverstad to go into well, the second half. And none of us, apart from Tom, thought he could uh, he could perform there. But I thought, I thought he did really well there. Uh, absolute revelation, wasn't he? I, I, it, and, and just seemed so comfortable. So I, I don't know if he's played there before. I was half expecting. He hasn't. I asked him. No, there you go. Oh, oh. I've given away the main story. Oh. <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> oh. tomorrow there is an interview in the South London Press website tomorrow where Frederick Alverstad says seven words or something along those lines. He doesn't say much. Yeah, okay. There's enough in there to to wake you up. Reading, I was yeah. I was half expecting Dick Steele to come on because he has played centre half. Yeah. Um, uh, in the under twenty three, so I was, I was sort of expecting him to come on. Maybe Carl Robinson didn't want to risk a, a young man in that in that position, but. You know, it worked, and Olvestead was, uh, was was brilliant. I thought. Mm, yeah, excellent. Um, and then uh, not long after that, we saw uh, Page going off and Lee Novak coming on. So we did sort of go to what we thought was four four two. I mean, Carl said it. Carl in the press conference he said it was a, a strange formation where basically it was just getting everyone to, mo- <laughs> to, to, to man mark everyone. So four four two is yeah. it that matching up? I don't know, but. Um, uh, and he, he said it was something slightly different, though. He did mention some numbers to me, but I sort of lost the order to live halfway through. <laughs> I didn't quite grasp it <clears throat> because uh, uh, I thought it was four for two. He did play well though again. I thought Nick Noves when he came on, yeah, yeah. yeah put the a same shift as Tuesday as well. I thought he's done really. And well. we got to be fair. I think Tony Watt actually also put a shift in. Yeah, he yeah. Did, and, and, and he yeah, pops yeah. up with his, his second goal in in the space of uh, in the space of two games here at the Valley. Yep. Uh, it was it was a, a deep cross that went over to the far post. I think Holmes sort of headed it back across. Bit of a bundle. Ended up with a rebo. Tries a few steps overs and then does he play it out or yeah does well he, just he, go out he, he took a heavy board? touch yeah. so he didn't it wasn't deliberate i don't think yeah. uh, so rebo was trying to make space for himself got a heavy touch on it and it rolled across to tony what and he and finished it, it was a lovely instinctive mm. finish yeah. and then he, he sort of went up in front of the west end and, and celebrated with all the seats and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but you know um, we, we talked about tony white in the press conference yesterday and i thought there's some really interesting stuff from Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Carl there uh, saying about how, because uh, someone, someone sort of said, you know, have, have you had to give Tony a little bit of a, a kick up the, uh, the rear end? And uh, he sort of said, he sort of basically mentioned that the Jacko, 
uh, has been man managing. He, he said he puts it down to, to Johnny Jackson's captaincy. So I asked, asked Carl to delve into it a bit more, and he said, you know, Jackson's a good friend. Uh, he also said that Jackson's my eyes and ears in, you know, around the things. There's a grass, basically. Yeah, but um, <laughs> loose snitch. Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 you know, so, I mean, we all know what how, how we see Johnny Jackson as the leader of this club, and this, this goes to show his captaincy skills. is obviously something that, that Carl likes, and Carl's, and Carl's come out straight away and said that. He wants Johnny Jackson to be at this football club as long as as long as Carl Robinson is. I think um, uh, we we already knew this, um, but um, every player that comes in, uh, when you ask a question, they almost certainly um, have this sort of uh, reverence towards Johnny Jackson very shortly after getting here. So they all know how important he is to uh, to the club, um, and uh, and to obviously Carl Robinson knows if he's going to make things work, he's got to use um, Johnny Jackson for that purpose. And because uh, I've always said, Jacko doesn't just manage the, you know, captain the the squad. I also think he captains the fan base well in terms of a relationship between uh, players and 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 the fans. It's something that you know is, is so desperately needed in these clubs at, at these times. And I think he's he's one of the ones that certainly makes sure there's still a semblance of, you know, of, of that relationship. Well, he's the only one left that that binds us to the club. That's really, apart from the club yeah. itself, there's the, you know Johnny Jackson is the one constant over the last sort of uh, what are we talked uh, seven years. Mm. Uh, Tony White had another chance, was he? In that volley that Ooh. was cleared, and then Aribo's shot that was sort of deflected up and cleared. That, those are our only real chances towards the end. And then Bakayoko had one for them on on the break from side footed out, and then seven minutes of added time. And I think the only thing we really saw in that time was that ball they flashed across. But other than that, you know, sort sort of the game was sort of seen out a one all draw. I mean, to be honest, my mind was on other things yesterday. <laughs> So yeah. I, I came out. Of it, I came out of it in, in a bit of a good mood, to be honest. Yesterday, but I think yeah, we all overall, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think it was about right, and I yeah. think you're bang on. By the way, yeah, I think um, whilst the game is going on, of course you're, you're embroiled in it. But as soon as it finished, your, your mind was elsewhere. Mm. And uh, so, but uh, obviously uh, after the game, the, uh, the the manager Carl Robinson came in, gives us his uh, exclusive interviews. He always does for Charlton Live on, on a on a home uh, match day. It's this Terry chatting with Carl Robinson after yesterday's draw with Warsaw. Joined by. Carl Robinson in the studio after um, a fairly pulsating one-all draw here at the Valley. And, uh, well, uh, no, it was a terrible first half and a very good second half. We um, we started the game. Uh, the game was quite open in the first ten minutes or so. Stupidly, it was like a basketball yeah. match. Um, in some ways, that's what I wanted it to be. I felt our offensive players could have been very effective in that open game. Um, wasn't to be. We went with four offensive players, four, two, three, one. as one of the most attacking formations that you're going to find people think playing two strikers up front I understand that but then if you can get people who are, who are committed to scoring goals from the 11, 7 and the 10 it's a very offensive way of playing um, second half we, we stayed with it for a bit um, and then we went sort of a weird one where we went two jackal man for man mark on their 10 uh, 5-2 I think uh, where we just we just basically said to our two full backs don't be a full back be a wing back, play up against their wing back. Your two strikers play in the middle of their three, and you just go three v two. I know it's going to be difficult. I can change it. And then Ricky, uh, Joe, Crofty, man for man, Mark. Uh, I think it was th- th- their three players in there. Uh, Osborne and Chambers and Morris I think was in there. They were they were the three that were in there. And then Jackal just did his job looking after one player. Uh, it was going. To, it was a risk, obviously, because it's not really a formation that's got any principles or or rules. <laughs> it's one that you just have to go to in, in very ad hoc situations in some ways. 
and uh, but they conducted themselves really well and a bit disappointed sometimes we get the ball wide and our delivery's not great into the box we don't have sort of questions at the centre back when you've got Lee Novak on he's made a career of scoring goals from, from crosses and we take too long to put the ball in the box but in the end we could have nicked it but in some ways if you nick it later on it's probably we would have took it and we would have been smiling here but, but it's, it would have masked probably how poor we were in the first half <clears throat> but strangely, the actual goal when it came for, for Walsall was during one of our better periods. In, in it was, and you know what? I, I think I said it, people are here, but at 42 and a half minutes gone, I shouted on, we keep the ball in their third and do whatever it takes to stay nil-nil. Because actually, coming in one-nil down, I thought we were lucky. To come in in nil-nil, it would have been counted ourselves as extremely lucky. Well, especially with the referee doing so a bit of a favour just at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's one of them ones where... It's a. Uh, it was we were very lucky in that, in that period to still be only one 0 down, but second half we probably had the better chances and, and the more offensive team towards the end of the game. It's physically a very difficult place to be. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. We played Bradford on Tuesday. We had a free week last week. Um, right now, obviously, we've got no Roger Johnson, no Harry Lennon, no Ezri Concer, no Jason Pierce, no Chris Solly, um, no Jay Forster Kasky, no Jordan Bataka, um, no Josh McGuinness. I had 10 before. I'm actually <laughs> losing my players. Um, I said Patrick Bauer. Yeah. So we, we, there's nine or 10 players out, not available. So when I'm talking to my team towards the end of the game, and I see all these great players stood behind me, still in trainers and tracksuits, it makes it extremely difficult. We can't do any more at the moment. Having nine, 10 players out is always difficult. Um, and hopefully we just have to keep marching on. Fairly Overstar was excellent when he went to centre back, awesome. and, and, and I know for him it was excellent. Is it a case, and, and you're right, of course, of, uh, Freddie Orsted was superb when he went back to centre-half and uh, at least you know you've got another one there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, is it, is it is the team almost pick itself now? Because it's almost well, last to, man to, standing, to, Today's it? team was last man standing. Uh, Jack Hall's obviously playing 90 minutes. He was only meant to play 70 the other day. If I lose him, it's another player who got injured. Uh, Linova had cramp in both his cars and struggled since they come off because the work ethic that he put in. Um, so there, that was the reason for the changes. Um, Jordan Mataka probably would have come in as a, as a wide left player, but he's the one to miss. He's the one to probably pull the player on the left side, but he's still got find it a little bit difficult. So th- it is. It's fine the shape that suits the players available. We didn't have two strikers fit today. <laughs> and you'll be uh, you'll be pleased. Tuesday is is the last of this Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday run. Uh, I'm sure you'll be delighted when that's over. Um, listen, it's been what what what. Even being positive, I need to use it to learn about the team. And that's the most important aspect of it. Um, we still need to get clock up a few more points before we can sit and go hang on. This has got to happen, and that's got to happen. Um, it's a point. It's not what we wanted before the game. But I've never seen nothing like this. It's it's been and they play seven minutes towards the end as well, which uh, really helps off. I think today in total they played next to three minutes in the first half. Um, on top of the the two minutes he put up, another minute and he pulled it back. So again today we've we've gone and played 100 minutes of football off the back of the physical output that we put in on, on Tuesday evening. Uh, but we have to go again to the home game. It's great playing here. I thought the crowd again got right behind us. They said what they had to say at half time, but I think we all knew that. The players knew that in here as well. Um, but they certainly won't come out second half and certainly give everything they possibly could. Well, then, <clears throat> let's look at those positives because you, you're right, second half, uh, not, I wouldn't say different side, but second half we imposed ourselves a lot more, I thought. Uh, I, I did think the two up front uh, helped us in that respect. It, it helped, it helped because it gives us a bit more stability. Um, but I, I know, I, listen, when, we, when you play one up front, you have to be very good in possession of the ball. I didn't think in the first half we were good enough to numerically dominate them. Um, and then when we tried to go long, we didn't have the physical capability of Lee Novak or Josh McGuinness. So where we are at the moment is maybe drop your principles, Carl. 
look at just getting a team who's fit and athletic and trying to win games and sort your principles and, and get that sorted where you want to go moving forward and find them right players in the summer. Um, and that's what maybe it's going to have to be from now to the end of the season. But uh, a reaction from the players in the second half. You'd the always reaction we saw on Tuesday. So, I mean, in that respect, you must be happy. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with, with, the, with the work ethic of the whole group at the moment. Well, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. We wanted, but on to Tuesday. Thank you. Going on a run, Holmes. Holmes still on the ball, heading towards the corner of the penalty area. Gets the ball in the box. Novak with the header! It's a goal! Oh, what a goal! Lee Novak with a superb glancing header from a magnificent Holmes cross. Puts Charlton in the lead. From the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Ah! (laughs) Help! Charlton Live. Welcome back. It's Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. It's been a very busy show so far this evening. We've had Richard Corley on discussing the potential takeover rumours here in SC7. We're talking about yesterday's match. We just heard there from Carl Robinson talking about the one-all draw with... uh, uh, with Wolf Swimming, what did, what did you make of his reaction? How did he seem when he came in to, to speak to you, Tell? He was. Um, yeah, yeah, he actually looked emotionally knackered. But, uh, he, he said the same when he came into the press conference. He, he didn't he, look he, it, he dis- didn't he? He's tired, I and mean, he started off by saying, like, those of us who, who cover Charlton every week saying, you guys must be tired as well. And I am. Well, yeah, it's like we're never away, that's true. Yeah. Um, so it must affect the players. I mean, I mentioned it a couple of times, you know, the whole Saturday, Tuesday. And, and I know a lot of players say it, they'd rather play than train. But the intensity of training and the intensity of actually playing 90 minutes is, is ho- totally different. I'm certain of it. Uh, so um, <clears throat> it must still, it must take its toll. It's got. Mm. Uh, well, we're seeing injuries again. Josh McGinnis now is looking like three weeks. I mean, he's, I think he's like he may still be involved with the Northern Irish squad. So he's either not going to play for that weekend, or he's going to be fit enough to go on international duty. So it's going to be three weeks without him anyway. Anyway, yeah. 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 Um, uh, the only good thing of that is Jason Pearce got sixty minutes under his belt, mm. and the under twenty three is today. Did they draw nil nil? Nil nil, yeah. yeah. So, so they're out of the Premier League out, Cup, yeah. unfortunately. But um, the, uh, the the more important thing for us, our point of view, is that mm. Jason Pearce has got some uh, yeah. game time. Yeah. Uh, so he, I would imagine, he, he's probably a couple of weeks away still. I would have thought. I'd, I'd, I would imagine they don't risk him. Harry Lennon's supposed to be back running as well and training, so um, it's getting better. It's just a case of uh, how quickly um, we get everybody back in, in the, at the same time, I suppose, but um, that doesn't look likely in the, in the short term. Mm, indeed. Right, let's have a look at some of those uh, those game emails before we get back onto the. Well, I've got uh, Chris uh, Chris Davins emailed in, and he mixes uh, both the email, uh, both the game email and and the takeover one. So I'll do that later, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, but we've got. Um, uh, do we got? Um, <clears throat> beg your pardon. We have Mark Cox uh, emailed us in. Thanks, Mark. I know we've got lots of injuries in the week squad, etc. But surely it must be obvious to KR by now that playing Watt on his own up front is totally pointless. Um, we sort of alluded to that with mm. the whole one, one not just Tony Watt. I think anyway, McGuinness on his own up front doesn't really work either to a certain extent. I mean, no, probably McGuinness is a bit more focal and a bit more central and holds the ball a bit, a bit better. So with Novak. But Tony Watt, you're right. I mean, he just drifts away. He's, he's just sort of like a, um, like a maverick, course. I suppose, oh, isn't yeah. he? Mm. We saw it at the Millwall game when he came on. He was just in. He's a good player, but he, like you said earlier, Tony, he won't fill the box up. And 
sometimes we're just a bit empty in that department. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, although it was good, it's good. I mean, I just wonder what two goals will do to his confidence now. I mean, yesterday wasn't. I mean, yesterday was a chance that came to him in the box, so he's, he's snapped up well. But that, you know, I just wonder what, how that will go for his game. Now. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I hope. I mean, he does strike you as a sort of confidence player, doesn't he? Most definitely. So um, the. Um, uh, yeah, two goals. The first one's a penalty, obviously. So, but he he, he took it to you know took a great penalty and, and dispatched it well. When you know nerves could have played a part, and the goal yesterday hit it lovely and right into the right place as well. So, I mean, again, uh, he did in a channel where there were there was no defenders either side of that, and it would have been cleared or or uh, he'd have missed it. So, two good, well taken strikes. Uh, yeah, hopefully that that's the, the beginning of uh, of a little run. Who knows? Mark Newbury's also emailed us. Thanks, Mark. Evening, folks. Summing up yesterday's the ultimate game of two halves. Terrible in the first half. Croft's terrible as skipper and Arebo unable to support from the diamond. He was bullied and just watched the game going past him. Lucky not to go in more than one down. Second half, Jacko got us organised and a good team effort got us the equaliser. Not sure if we will have a team for Tuesday and Bradford will be a harder test. On a slightly different note, I'm guessing that we got only got De Silva on the agreement that he's always on the match squad, which then limits the other spaces for players. Otherwise, I don't understand him having him on the bench at all. That's uh, that's uh, cheers, Mark. Yeah, I sort of get what you're saying there a little bit. Strange one, wasn't it? I mean, we we came on when, when he had to, when we had no choice. Well, we have got we have got yeah, but we have got a, a, a fair amount of left backs now. We've got Page and Chicks, and you can play that. And, and Jackson's been played there in the, in the last in the last few games. He, he played at Shrewsbury there, so. It's an interesting one. So it, it does it does feel like a bit of a waste of of, of, a, of a squad position to me, well, particularly of a loan because you only get five, you're only allowed to have five in a matchday squad. You say that, but who else is going to fill that bench spot? It's only going to be another kid, isn't it? But can he play left midfield though? Why couldn't? Why yeah, couldn't he play, go I left think, Didn't he play there against Millwall? Yeah, he, on, he, yeah. And, and I thought he got he, subbed off again, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but I thought he played. He's played all right the, the times he has come on, mm. um, which is twice now, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Millwall for an hour or so, yeah. and then and came on at Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, well, yeah. and I thought he acquitted himself both times all right. Mm. So um, he's obviously a player. But there may be a. Um, a, uh, a restriction in the in, in the reason for having him. I don't know. Who knows what uh, what goes on in contracts and discussions and agreements with other clubs? But uh, it is a strange one, no question. But as I said, who do you put in? If Jay De Silva's not on that bench, who do you put on there? Because at the moment, with all the injuries, it's only going to be another kid. Isn't it? Mm, so who would you put on there? Better off putting one of our own kids. Well, there, possibly. Guess, yeah, I don't disagree with that. But, yeah. um, um, uh, uh, right, I'm going to read Chris's um, email now because um, this is sort of uh, both over. both the game and the t- uh, takeover uh, rumours. Um, so thanks, Chris. So cometh the hour, cometh the man. Tony Watt rescues a point for the rip-roaring goal-scoring addicts. Just a shame I was driving a bus around the West End rather than taking up my place in the Covenant at the time. I note that Mr Robinson is exhausted, bless his cotton socks, after this run of Saturday-Tuesday games. Never mind, it'll be back to once a week after Tuesday and the season won't be extended by a playoff trip to Wembley either. Uh, Talk of takeover has um, talk of a takeover has once again been placed firmly on the agenda. Not sure who the interested party or parties are. It was uh, Red Bull a month or so back. Glad that didn't happen from one network to another. Not for me. Those that would welcome the sticky sweet energy drink company takeover obviously don't care about multiple club ownerships and are purely anti-Roland due to results being poor. One owner, one club for me. Anyway, have a good show. I'll be I'm working, but we'll catch up on the podcast tomorrow. And all being well, should be back in the North Upper Tuesday, and more importantly, the Oak pre-match. <laughs> one more thing, I've sent the I've seen that the Player of the Year do has been cancelled due to one of the organisers being barred from organising it by the club. This was due to sending an email slagging off individuals working for the club and other organisers refusing to organise it without said person. That's a lot of organising. Anyhow, more bad PR for the owners, so no doubt the press will love it, which is all good. 
Playing devil's advocate, though, if I was the recipient of an email wrongly sent to me, slagging off, uh, slagging me off and in Catrian shoes, I would have reacted like her. So maybe that's why I drive a bus and I'm not in business. Message to Catrian, the tram system is nice in Brussels. Career change. Uh, that's from Chris in... Uh, uh, Chris Devon, thanks for that, Chris. I mean, we're, we're going to come on to the play, yeah, of the we year, are, yeah. the play of the year dinner stuff later, so we can we can read out the, the statement that's come from Ian on, on the Charlton Live Forum. He's one of the organisers uh, in regards to Gene, who's the person who's been banned. And like I say, I've also got a very small comment from the club. It's nothing much to write home about, but we'll hear about it at the time. We've got an um, email from Freddie Wells. Thanks, Freddie. Um, and this is about the takeover. Hi, guys. I was filled with sheer elation last night at the news of a potential takeover. Got goosebumps thinking about the first home game post-Roland. News from Radio London that it's not imminent dampened my spirit somewhat, but I don't believe what the club's spokesperson said. In the three years of De Chatelet, we've not had any news like this break before. Why would these rumours appear if there wasn't some sort of truth to them? I think it will be sorted in the summer. Whether that means Robinson gets the boot in favour of a certain Mr Powell remains to be seen. Would be harsh on Carl, but can't see anybody disagreeing with that decision. Hurry up and sell, Roland. That's uh, Freddie Wells. Thanks, Freddie. Yeah, I mean, oh, like, so we've already discussed the, the club statement, which that which you know it wasn't a statement. The, the club's comment, which went to BBC Radio London, about um, you know the, the club not being for sale, and like, like we already said, I mean that, that that's probably not really worth the paper it's written on because you know of course you're going to say that. Like, if, if you're trying to negotiate a deal for your club, you're not going to come out and say, I just want to get rid of it, to be honest. <laughs> Take yeah, it. <laughs> just make me an offer. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that in a little while. Right, have we, have we got any more emails? Uh, I just wanted to say, because uh, uh, Rick Everett re um uh, re-emailed me to, um, because the um, the original yeah re-emailed uh, I like that I'm going to use that again uh, the original email said 2011 person's price uh, and uh, it should have been 2014 so just a correction and uh, happy to do it thank you Dokey right good stuff right okay um, so like we said we, we've mentioned the player of the year dinner uh, now um, we've been going to the player of the year I've been going to it for the last five or six years I think and I think um, I think Charlton Live have been doing yeah. it for a good number more yeah yeah so uh, covering the dinner uh, although well Probably not going to do that this season. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, the, the the situation is as follows: it was announced. It was announced um, last night by Ian, who's one of the organisers on on the Channel Live forum. He said uh, the Play of the Year dinner has been cancelled. I'm going to read you out. A, a, I'm going to read you out his whole statement here, just to make sure we don't miss anything out. He says uh, there's been much speculation on Channel Life and elsewhere about the Play of the Year dinner, which was originally scheduled for Sunday, the 23rd of April. Here are the facts. For six years, it's been arranged by Gene Hewling, uh, who's called Fanny on the uh, on the forum, and myself, plus last season, Marilyn Toft of the Community Trust, and the three of us were all set to arrange a similar event for this season, but were advised at the last fans' forum meeting that the club intended to change it from a formal dinner into an afternoon buffet following the last match of the season. I argued strongly that the Player of the Year is a supporters and not a club event, and it is not for them to call the shots. With only one exception, I received support from every known supporters group and the minutes of the fan forum meeting on which it was discussed plus the powerpoint presentation outlining the proposed changes can be viewed on the club website they were happy for us to do the work and arrange the event but it would be, uh, have to be controlled by the club since the fans from a meeting uh, i have continued my negotiations and eventually they conceded that we could revert back to our preferred uh, 23rd of april date and hold the dinner as we wished but then another problem arose instructions came that the club would no longer accept fanny which is Jean, uh, as one of the organisers, as a result of an email that she forwarded to a member of club staff in error. 
and which was less than complimentary about their efforts. Although embarrassing, this did seem an overreaction, especially at a time when correspondence criticising most aspects of the club would appear to be far from unknown. To make matters worse, somebody in the club leaked the story to social media and on another thread on Charlton Life, several people have expressed their views already. Fanny as well as a very well-known and well-liked, and I have to agree with that. Uh, we made it clear that Marilyn and I would not continue without Fanny, but surprisingly, the club would not see the wider picture and stuck to their guns. So last night, the decision was taken to cancel the dinner for the season. Very sad and very unnecessary, in my opinion. The vote for the Player of the Year will still take place as normal, although possibly online this year, but we will just have to find another way of presenting the club. Uh, the cup. In conclusion, the unreasonable constraints placed on the organising team by the club has made the event unworkable in the current climate. We are, of course, extremely disappointed that the actions of the club have led to this situation. Now, I contacted the club just to, uh, just to get a comment, because just so we can hear both sides of the story, uh, and th- there's basically no different. A spokesperson has told me uh, that uh, they've like, so spoken to the club and that they've said they agreed to support the event. The club made a request which was not deemed acceptable. So there you go. That's all the club are going to say on this. They made a request which was not deemed acceptable. Uh, and from what I'm reading from Ian's side of it, I can 100% understand why it's not acceptable because I don't think it's acceptable either. No, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> anybody who's met Jean, by the way, can't fail to just be impressed by her. Uh, she's she's a lovely lady, uh, and you can't imagine her really upsetting too many people, can you? I mean, not certainly not deliberately. So whatever was in the email, I'm sure it was quite uh, matter of fact. I've, I've no idea what's in it, but and it says le- it was less than complimentary. It just probably told some truths, I suspect. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right, as, as embarrassing as the, as the statement said, and uh, and I'm sure that could have been in normal circumstances. I'm sure that would have been. Um, uh, overcome shall we say but we're not in normal circumstances are we and and i think the thing that disappoints me one of the things i'm not entirely surprised and and i don't think any of us probably are are we uh, entirely surprised by uh, by the reaction and mm. and the ultimate decision uh, because it's where we are and and it's it's just so sad as i say because gene really is gene annie and they dragged this uh, player of the year, uh, dinner back from back from the dead they ripped it up by its bootlaces and, and turned it into a i think actually a profit making um a night rather than being a, an event that normally in the past just was a was uh, just a debt filled um situation so uh, and and it's really run really well and and they were gracious gracious enough to allow us to broadcast from there when you know in uh, people may have uh, have seen it and said well it's been broadcast i don't have to go uh, so she took the, you know they took the risk to allow us to broadcast live from from the event uh, that could have affected the, the ticket sales as it turns out because it's such a well-run event and because you know a lot of people say well you're smoozing with the players well you know some players you don't want to because especially depending on how the season's gone, uh, it's just a go- it, always a good opportunity to to reward the players who have put the effort in, uh, to meet fellow fans and discuss the trials and tribulations of what's just gone on, or self congratulation stuff as as we had with the League One promotion one. So um, it's always been a cracking event um, since um, June and Ian have been doing it. So a real real shame, but it'll bounce back. I mean, I'm I'm convinced of it. Yeah, Nathan, with the way that the club has. You know, uh, they've really got to improve their relationship with the fans, as, as we fully well know. Uh, in this situation, and the way that the situation has gone on, do you think they could have acted differently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to ask Balance questions. That's got to be the, the worst Balance question I think I've ever heard. No, you yeah. didn't mean any of that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jane, yeah, but Jane was voted support of the year, wasn't she? Yeah, exactly. She was reigning supporter of the year. And then they go, and, they go and ban her from one of the events that the supporters go to. 
It's just absolutely crazy. But um, like Tell said, it's not surprising. But um, yeah, no, it's it's sad. It is sad because it's an event that you know Ian Ian and Gene Wolsey organising. Which yeah, they've ta- they ta- taken time out of their own sort of lives and stuff to organise it. And obviously, they really enjoyed it. And and now um, it's obviously not to be at the moment. So um, hmm. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's gutting, but hopefully. A lot of people tweeted in sort of early on during the show, and I won't say their names because a few people with the same question, <coughs> saying, you know, could, could, could the Player of the Year dinner be held elsewhere? Now, the, the trophy is owned by the, you know, the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I imagine Ian and Gene must have hold of it at the moment, or, the, or whoever won it last year, which was Jordan, was it? J- yeah, Jordan Cousins, I think. Um, but obviously with that, I mean, you'd be putting the players in a slightly difficult position yeah, if, yeah. If, if you hold a dinner elsewhere and, and invite them to come, but I imagine they'd be told not to come. I'd imagine they would be as well. I think the only way you'd, you'd actually get away with it is, um, is it, I mean, it can be held elsewhere. You can you can uh, have a player of the year presentation, and uh, if it was for a player that couldn't turn up, because most of them wouldn't be able to, as you said, then you give it to them at a time when they you know, c- could at some point. Uh, I think um, the best thing to do would be to just now give it to Johnny Jackson because I, uh, there's there's a personal reason for that. I just think Johnny Jackson should have his name on that trophy uh, while he's still playing because uh, he's, he more than any has done so much for for for, uh, for us. And, and as we said before, he's been that link to uh, what was good about Charlton <laughs> for so long. Um, give it to him. Uh, he'd turn up. And they wouldn't. I don't think uh, even uh, even our current regime would have uh, have the, the the ability to do anything about it. No, we'll see. Um, now, uh, separate news, Nathan. You've got some news about something that the fans can vote on. Yes. Uh, have you got that ready for us? Uh, the podcast choice awards. That's yeah. For us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So obviously, um, if you visit uh, BritishPodcastAwards.com, um, the award uh, which you can vote on is the obviously listener choice award. It's called. Um, so. If you scroll down to the bottom of the screen, you can search for the search for the podcast where obviously we can vote for uh, getting to know the network um, podcast, which was I think everyone sort of li- listened to and um, was a revelation and, and an eye opener in, in in most aspects uh, from what was what was heard. And obviously Jimmy's put and his teams put a lot of effort and a lot of time in into it. And, and as I said, it was a revelation. So we've got until five p.m. on the twenty eighth of April. Uh, when the the voting closes, so um, obviously keep keep voting and just not for us. Yeah, keep <laughs> voting for Jimmy and then retweeting well, I, it. I think the, the amount of work that Jimmy put yeah. into into the show and whoever he was working with and, he, and how in depth he went mm. and how and if you look at I mean, it, wasn't just Chant fans. Only Chant fans listen to this. It wasn't just Chant fans who listen to that because there's so much interest in the story as a whole. And he spent six months putting that together. Uh, and, and it, it was just fascinating and there was so much stuff that there was stuff there that we knew but we hadn't heard it from the people who were involved but there was also stuff that we didn't know like the, the getting those emails was just such a big scoop mm. uh, and it would be so good to, to see um, to see that recognized with an award so uh, if, you, if you go to the website that Nathan mentioned there it'll be excellent to uh, uh, to to try and get try and get the the prize for getting to know the network podcast right Charlton Exile uh, who doesn't enjoy listening to the Carl Robinson interviews uh, <laughs> tweeted in saying oh god no warning when that was about to come on <laughs> I was going to go out when you put Carl Robinson on. You caught me out there. Uh, and uh, Matthias Johnson said, I'm looking forward to Sheffield United next week, and I'm looking forward to seeing you if that's still on. Yeah, Matthias, I'm sure we can arrange to meet each other at Sheffield, uh, up at Sheffield. Uh, MICFC says, Crumbs, are we doing the biscuits? <laughs> now, yesterday, as a joke, I tweeted out saying, oh, what, what should we talk about on tomorrow's show? How about Charlton players as biscuits? Uh, and surprisingly, a lot of people thought I was being serious and have sent me in suggestions for that. It's so, got the best reaction for ages. Yeah, so if we have five minutes at the end of the show, I think... We will uh, go through that. But, right, yesterday, 
25th anniversary of Charlton Athletic Race uh, Racial Equality, uh, the Red, White and Black Day, uh, a huge event yesterday, there was over 300, I think it was up to 500 potentially uh, school children marching down uh, from the station, uh, Charlton Station to the Valley, it was all organised by uh, uh, the, the Charlton Athletic Community Trust and Tracy Leeburn from the club as well, so um, obviously there's going to be a host of legends on, on these sort of things, all the, all the right people come out to uh, support this, so I caught up with uh, I caught up with Tracy, uh, her husband Carl, who I'm sure you might remember, Carl Lieber, mm. uh, uh, Michael Bennett, a, a player who's ever so slightly before my time, but you, you know, um, I, was, I was listening to you on the commentary <laughs> yesterday, just before you were talking about how much of a legend he was. Well, yeah, so, and yeah. It, it, people will find it a bit strange because he didn't actually play that that, that often uh, because uh, of injury. But Mickey Bennett was uh, was a player who played down the right side uh, just so quick. Uh, he could control the ball as well. He had the ball at his feet. He wasn't just like a lightning, stri- uh, lightning quick player who didn't know what to do with the ball at the end of a run either. He could use it, uh, score goals. He was just uh, such a good player. And um, I think I'm pretty sure it was cruciate ligament injury that, that put him out. Yeah. And uh, it was such a waste because uh, he had the ability, I think, and the potential to be a real legend player legend yeah. uh, at this club but uh, he's a legend anyway because what he went on to do subsequently for uh, people with um, uh, mental health issues in sport uh, and football specifically has been superb yeah, as well so we're going to hear from Lovely Michael fan. Bennett as well so as well as uh, Michael Bennett Carl Lieber and Tracy Lieber we've also got Jake Forsikaski who was on the march yesterday and uh, Jason Yule current under 23's coach um, uh, he was there as well so we're going to start off with uh, with Tracy Lieber and this is how yesterday's Red White and Black Day march went joined here outside the valley just uh, before the uh, the, the march for today's Red, White and Black Day by Tracy Lieberman and by Cole Lieberman. Tracy, I'll start with you. Uh, you've got some big plans today. Absolutely. So excited. Can't wait. Um, we spent five months planning this now. Um, worked with Michael and Vicky from the Trust and um, pulled it all together. And today's the, the kind of culmination of the whole seminars that we've done and really looking forward to it. It's- Starting off with a big march today at, at, from the station down to the ground as well. Yeah, so we've got a parade, approximately 500 children. We've got a steel band. Um, and it's all just basically celebrating um, that we're all together. And that's what our, our whole um, premise of the whole event is, is that we are all together. It doesn't matter what you look like. And no doubt any difference, we are all standing together on this. Carl, it's the 25th anniversary of Red, White and Black Day uh, today. I mean, you, you, were, you were playing back in the dark ages, perhaps. Have you, have you seen so much progress over the years? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, my day, um, you, you would get that sort of uh, racial abuse at times, um, especially um, in the northern parts of, of the country. But, um, you know, it's definitely improved. You know, uh, part, part of the job that I do now um, involves going to different different clubs. So, uh, And you do see the difference, and it's because of uh, things like this, this red, and, red, black and white day. Uh, red, white and black day, I should say. Um, it's because of drives like this. Um, and, you know, kick it out, do, do, do several stuff um, over the year. Um, and it's just about reiterating and repeating these drives because we can never get complacent. Jake, uh, just before the, the red, white and black day march uh, down towards the valley, uh, a special event today? Yeah, obviously it's the uh, 25th anniversary and um, you know it's amazing the, uh, the numbers that have turned up for it. Um, I think it's brilliant that the club have, have done something like this and obviously all the children that have taken part in, in making the banners um, should be a good day. Michael Bennett, former Charlton player and uh, now part of the PFA. 
Uh, you're here today for the 25th anniversary of CARE. What, what, what sort of uh, good do you think this sort of stuff can do? Well, I think it's, it's, it's important that we, um, we, we showcase the equality side of things uh, and what football does. I don't think it gets enough credit for what we do in football. I think Charlton being my uh, old club and um, they're very much stemmed in this diversity, equality stuff. And me just being there, just putting support behind it with the PFA. Jason, 25th anniversary of, of CARE today, the Red, White and Black Day. Uh, just before the march down to, to the valley, how, how pri- proud do you feel seeing all these people who've come out to support the event? No, I think first and foremost, you just got to sort of say thanks to all the guys in the community trust and everyone who's worked hard over these 25 years for it to be still continuing, still getting the support from not just football fans, but just from people in general. So I think that's where we have to look at all of this. We've embraced quality, diversity. It is not just a football thing, it's a society thing. So it's just good to see that it's not just a football environment, a football world that's got involved in it. The voice of football is very, very powerful. Um, it's going to influence a lot of children. Um, you know, come, coming into the football game, you, you, you might not know it at the time, but um, as I played it, you, you, you see more and more how you can influence children. You know, I've, I've got children myself now. I've got a son that plays football. And um, I remember taking him to uh, his, his tournaments and so forth and uh, just seeing the kids mimic some of the things that would happen um, on games on a, on a Saturday. So it's, um, you know, very, football is very influential to, to the kids. I think uh, as soon as I come here, you, you sort of get the vibe of a club and, um, you know, it's really friendly. And uh, like you said, it's, it is a community club and, um, you know, we obviously love playing in front of fans and... Um, and uh, that's why we do it. To uh, you know, to it's an entertainment business, and, and we want to entertain fans. But also, when we can do the other side of things, um, it's great for them too. So they can obviously meet the players, and and obviously doing things for the kids as well, because they're going to be uh, future fans of Charlton. And Charlton have always been at the forefront of this sort of stuff. Like I said, 25th anniversary, and you, you, you played here at Charlton. Have you always got the sense that this is sort of a special sort of club like that? Oh, this is home. This is home. Um, the reason why I signed in the first place is because of the home environment, and. Um, and that's to make, that, that encouraged me to come and play, and that encouraged me to kind of progress as a footballer, uh, because I had that support from my homely kind of background. So being here today and seeing this doesn't surprise me. It's always been in the grain of Charlton. Obviously, I'm one supporting the wife um, on, on this drive, but uh, it's obviously a, a great cause. Um, and uh, for something like this, you know, you, you can't you can't but come out. You know, um, the only way you're going to beat these things is together. Um, and uh, that's, that's, I've always known Charlton to be at the forefront of, of doing these types of things and trying to drill the message home. Do you think in the, in the time since your playing days and as your career progressed and now you're coaching, uh, that you've seen strides in this field? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people look and think that some things haven't been done, but sometimes it is the smaller things is a change, regardless of how, how big or how small people think of it. But I said it's, it's days like today and said 25 years in terms of it's still going and will we get to the point where it's not an issue or not to talk about we don't know but we have to keep doing events like this and making it aware to everyone in communities that what the way forward is and how we should all be trying to get along with each other. You have Kick It Out, you have Show Racing the Red Card, um, there are two main organisations that we support in regards to this stuff. Um, massive strides, massive strides but there's still massive strides to make uh, and on days like this we just amplify and showcase what, where far we come and where we are now. Yeah, I mean that's always been a big part of what China Flicks about it's always been a community club a family club and regardless of what happens on the field or off of it we've got to keep showing that what we do with the community and keep liaising and working with them and trying to make strides forwards
It's great. It's great. Um, it's, uh, this, these are the future. Uh, and we need to make sure these young individuals are aware of the diversity of qualities that's important. And if we can get this in them as a young, younger age, they'll be the future moving forward. So this is a great day and I'm glad to be part of it. There we go. Great to hear from all those uh, Charlton legends and well done to Tracy and, uh, and the guys at the Trust as well who organised that march. It seemed like a very uh, successful little thing. The kids all had banners and stuff. It looked really good. Uh, breaking news is a derby of sack, sack Steve McLaren, but that also means that Chris Powell's leaving the club just in time for a potential... Time is perfect, didn't it? Time is perfect. It's all coming together. Read into that what you will. What, do you think Derby will sing all? Derby, yeah. We best get rid of all that Chris, Chris, we're going to do you a favour, yeah? Steve, you're this rubbish. Yeah, Steve, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Steve, you're just collateral damage. We've got to get rid of Chris. Right. Chant players as biscuits. <laughs> we will be looking forward to this. So. Just before we do that, we've got an email from Marcus. Uh, thanks, Marcus. Funny how Roland banked the cash for Lookman uh, and Fox in January, but failed to send spend big to make a real difference to the squad for the remainder of the season. Very, I mean, people have said this at every transfer window, saying, oh, it will just sell players, bank the money, and leave. Well, maybe maybe this is the time it's happened. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Um, as I did jokingly tweet out yesterday before we look ahead to... Uh, the Bradford game shortly about doing footballers the whole joke was on, on um, fighting talk they do sports people as biscuits as a jokey thing every every year or so so I sort of made that joke and then, but then people did actually respond to it so here we go Sue Gallup says that Ricky Holmes is a lemon puff which is sweet tangy and zingy my favourite biscuit by the way yeah that, that was it mm. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think I've had one yeah, uh, no, 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 must, you, must you, be an older day thing you've, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've never lived boys uh, Talia says that Johnny Jackson would definitely be a custard cream because that is the king of all biscuits, um, Davies, David's make a slightly dodgy joke. I'm not sure if I can read that out. Uh, Stephen Cole, <laughs> Stephen Cole has uh, said that Andrew Cross is a rich tea uh, biscuit, a bit dry and dull, but it does the job when there's no other options available. <laughs> uh, uh, according to Lee Harmon, Lee Novak could be any biscuit you dunk, you select it, dunk it, it breaks off in your tea, a major disappointment. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Uh, Will Wyndham? Oh, I don't know if I can read that one out. Either. <laughs> I, I don't. I want to see him. Yeah. Uh, 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 two-footed tackle says McGuinness could be a, a cookie which uh, which can hit the spot and be very good when quality but not so good with the cheap ones uh, Gary Morris says I'm going to go with digestives we tend to melt uh, as a club when oh. the heat is on uh, Howard says a crumbly one um, <laughs> I like this one from Freddie Wells he says Jordan Botaka is definitely a party ring very flashy but actually quite disappointing <laughs> Uh, uh, MICFC Roger Johnson that manky old one at the bottom of the tin that no one wants uh, <laughs> and uh, James D. Regan says just stale hobnobs basically I suppose nobody got fruit and nut anywhere <laughs> well uh, Garmy uh, Mark's just tweeted in saying he's working on the biscuits he'll have it next week for us so we'll see uh, uh, Jerry says that um, in terms of whether he's going to come back he had a season ticket since Selhurst didn't renew this season as the owner does not care about winning so I guess the, if, if there is a, a changeover I imagine he'll be one of the ones back at the, at the front of the queue uh, to, to come back now, yeah I mean, I mean I've seen a few tweets out there that you know people sent irreparable damage uh, I don't believe that at all I really don't um, I think but it's certainly something that would take a while. no question about it and it's not a five minute job and we cause, uh, the people who have been involved in the protest and, and there was another tweet that you know we shouldn't forget the people who, who aren't coming because of yeah, as well just, yeah, um, so, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's a genuine point but you know we've got people who are involved in that protest who were involved in getting uh, um, you know, like the target ten thousand, which then went to twenty thousand, then went, to, you know, and, and, and ad infinitum. So, you know, we've got people involved um, that can be involved again in in getting this club back to, uh, if not even if you know, even if we're not talking Premier League, because look, Sporting Chance is not about just winning football matches. Otherwise, none of us would be, would we? <laughs> um, so um, it's it's we about much it's about much more <laughs> than that. 
and so driving people to uh, uh, driving uh, an, an initiative to get people back in into the club i think will work again you're right it won't it's not a five minute thing but i think we know that uh but i think we've got enough people with patience and who are prepared to uh, to to be in it for the long haul mm. Right, there's a few comments on the Charlton Live forum. I am Dan says, great uh, great show, chaps. Uh, thanks for that. He says, uh, Pie at mine when Rodin sells, Vanya CEO with Curbs, with uh, Curbs and Powell as the management team. Uh, and Dags says that that post has made him do something very rude. Uh, <laughs> TCE uh, says, uh, Player of the Year present- award presentation. Last home, home game of the season, 3,000 plastic trophies. Do you see where this is going? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very interesting point you've made there. Uh, right, Tuesday night. Mm. The run is finally over. It's the sixth Tuesday night in a row, I think it is, is it? Something like something, that, yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Too many Tuesday nights in a row where we've played, but uh, Bradford City coming down to the to the Valley to get, to get this horrible run over. Um, and Bradford are a team that within the playoffs, so it'd be a very interesting game tell. They're a good side. I mean, um, what was it, a draw up there? Yeah, it was a nil That was Carl's first league yeah. game. We should have won and that we should have won really. it, absolutely. In the bar and I mean, I think if we had a, a slightly fitter squad or, or more in it, I'd, um, I'd back us to, to, to do quite well, uh, especially given the, uh, that we've ended our particular run of, uh, of bad form and we're sort of on, I wouldn't say on the way back, it's probably overdoing it a bit, but we certainly uh, seem to have levelled off a bit. Um, I'd fancy our chances, but Bradford, as you said, they're going for the playoffs. They're, they're a good side. Uh, in relation to where we are, uh, before people say they're not Man United, um, but um, you know you've got Millwall hot in the hills. The, the problem is there's a now what a five six point gap between them and and the teams outside the playoffs. That's that's quite a, you know that's quite a gap to it puts them in a little bit more of a comfort zone, so they can play with a bit more freedom as well. Which so mm-hmm. uh, it's not pointing to a great night. I've got to be honest, but yeah. you never know. I think we'll set up four four two knife. Uh, no, I think we'll go four two uh, one seven two, three. Four time, yeah, fourteen two nine two point seven recurring. But squared. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I th- no, I think we'll play one up top again, and I think um, maybe Tony again. Yeah, I think so, and I think it'll end up we both draw a lot, don't we? So I think we both draw again. Yeah. Nil, 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 well, nil, it is true. I mean, we're, we're actually uh, <laughs> vying with them for the the battle of the draw kings. Uh, so they're winning at the minute. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, we're not winning at anything. So who, plays, <laughs> who plays at centre back? I mean, does does Cole drag? Uh, Patrick Bow out of his deathbed. Does Frederick Overstead play there for ninety minutes? Does uh, you know, Duke still get get a chance? I'd, I'd be interested to see. Um, yeah, because you can't imagine he'd, he'd throw in uh, Lennon or uh, or Piercy uh, no. just at this point. Uh, a lot will depend on yeah but Patrick Bower's, um fitness and whether or not, as you say, he's um, he's not down the doctors. Um, we haven't got a lot of choice, have we? Really, I, I can't see him throwing Dick Steele in. Not for a, a f- first full game. I just can't see him. Can't see it happening. So um, I don't know. Uh, maybe he will risk. Uh, Orsh, you know, Freddie Orsted did a good job there uh, yesterday. So it, it, is it were, is it that big a risk to, to play him from the start? Probably not. Hmm. What do you think the atmosphere will be like at the Valley tomorrow? I mean, uh, <laughs> with the the news slash no news slash rumours. I mean, I mean, do you think that lifts? I mean. You know, for those of us who had inklings yesterday, I mean, I, I was I was enjoying the game much more than than I probably should have yesterday. Um, do you think the fact that this half news has come out now, this potential stuff, will lift the, the crowd at all in terms of numbers and in terms of atmosphere? Uh, I think it'll probably a level of um, anticipation of probably one. Uh, there might be a little bit of spring in everyone's step. I think. Um but I don't, and then I don't know. Maybe maybe it will turn a corner. Maybe it will have a positive atmosphere tomorrow, and then we'll uh, tomorrow. It's Monday, um, Tuesday, rather. 
Um, and maybe it will, and maybe we can sort of pull off some sort of result, even though we're not actually playing for anything at the moment. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting what songs are sung, um, <laughs> yeah. or anything like that, what sort of comes out. I think it, um, it's going to be a mixture of, uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of um, uh, murmurings, and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it, the place will be alive, I think, a little more than normal, but it can also turn to frustration as well, because if there's not enough news coming for people the, mm. to, to get to grips with, then that could also turn, turn to frustration. Because the one thing that I guess, I mean, I even saw one or two tweets last night, people expecting to wake up to the club being subbed. I mean, I mean, the thing we have to accept is if there is any movement, it ain't going to be quick, is it? And th- these things do take time. And, you know, we're, we're hearing the, the initial thing, but, you know, th- these things can take a while and, and, and not to get too carried away, I guess. Yeah, we just don't want to rush it, you know what I mean? We want to make sure it's right for the club and everything like that, don't we? So um, this, it, is, this is human nature we're talking about. Yeah. Of course we're <laughs> going to get overexcited. It's just going to happen. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Let's, look, if um, if we were in a fairly stable position and uh, there were rumours of a takeover, it would be quite matter-of-fact, possibly. And, and, ooh, yeah, a bit like when the Zabil thing happened. You know, uh, it's um, it would be like a side issue to, 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 to what was going on. But this is you know, we're in such a position and have been for the last three years that mm. everybody wants it so. Well, pretty much everybody wants it so badly that, of course, we, you know, people are going to have expectations and, and we'll run away with it. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm, excellent stuff. Right, we've just about run out of time here on tonight's uh, Charlton Live. Thank you to all of you who've, uh, who've listened in and thanks, of course, to the South London Press's Richard Corley, who's uh, uh, given us his insight onto the, the, the rumours uh, engulfing us here at, here at SE7 at the moment. Um, and I'm sure I, I imagine they have a little bit more in the paper on uh, on Tuesday as well. So that'd be worth uh, worth getting your hands on if you can. South London Press, uh, and don't forget you. Well, I don't know if they even bother putting the Overstad stuff in there now. To be honest, but you'll be on the <laughs> website tomorrow if you want to find out how he feels about stuff. Uh, Terry, thanks so much for coming in. Cheers, Lee. Thanks, everybody. Nathan Muller, thanks for coming in. Cheers, you Tuesday. Yeah, and uh, and of course, Charlton Live will be back on Thursday evening with the big match preview as we look back at Tuesday's game against Bradford and ahead to next Saturday's game with Sheffield uh, United. I've been Louis Mendes. Thank you for all your tweets, your emails, and what- Ooh, don't do that. <laughs> all your, all your whatnot for on, the, on tonight's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We'll see you then. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com